I'm Buddy Martin, and this is the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. Time now for Coach Meyer's podcast. It's called the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer. And some Fridays are better than others, with games getting canceled because of COVID, Urban. Not as good as it probably we hoped it would be, but Florida wiped out against LSU, and let's hope it doesn't impact the Big Ten next week when the Big Ten starts playing. Yeah, it seems like there's a little bit of a spike again, and I was listening to the news earlier that that's really nationwide and actually across the world there's been a big spike. So hopefully this thing gets through it and uh, we get back to some football. Yes, for sure. And uh, this next week we'll be doing a special podcast. Uh, we would like uh, for you to tell folks about your love for Ohio State. I remember you telling me this story, and it's in your book, Urban's Way. You've done several about how you held that crimson and gray jersey in your hand and, and basically had tears in your eyes because it's such an emotional thing. And then I'd love to tell folks about how you wound up going to Ohio State because that's quite a story, which, by the way, I don't know if it has been told correctly. So maybe we can deal with that next week. Well, first of all, it's scarlet and gray, buddy. But that's what did I say? Crimson. I'm sorry. That's that. That's that. That school up in Tuscaloosa. So, yeah, I, I, I apologize. That's but, terrible. Yeah, I've been very fortunate to work at two great universities that uh, I didn't. I really didn't know much about Florida growing up until Spurrier got there, and then we had a great run there. And we'll always look back fondly at those incredible days, and then also seven great years at Ohio State. I'm going to reach up and get my scarlet and gray hat you sent me a couple of years ago, and I'll wear it all week for uh, for punishment. So make sure I get that right next time. Yeah, uh, Urban, you know, it's starting to get to a point now where it's beyond a few cases. And I think I read somewhere where there was been 129 or 30 postponements. It gets real when it happens to you. We know about uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt getting canceled, and now Florida and LSU getting I say cancel, postpone is the right word, and reschedule. And now it's, it's affected the coaching staffs. Nick Saban's got COVID. Um, and you wonder, okay, how much impact would something like that have? Well, I guess you can find out by looking at Las Vegas, where the line dropped uh, at home. Those guys uh, in Tuscaloosa were favored by six, uh, and now they're favored by four. So it does have an impact. And I'll ask you about it. How much do you think it impacts a team when you have a coach like Saban who can't be on the premises? Oh, I think it's it's uh, directly impactful. But guys like Saban, though, that there's such a strong culture uh, that, you know, he's not just, uh, uh, you know, he's a CEO, but he's done such a good job with the culture of the program. And I remember I wasn't with the Ohio State for a few games a couple of years ago, and, and we won them all. And, and um, so I, I think the culture is strong. The fact is they're playing a, uh, Georgia, I think, some really outstanding football team. I was shocked when I saw their quarterback, uh, Stetson, come in and play the way he has. And You know, at, in July, he was a four-string quarterback. And now he's a starting quarterback at Georgia, and they're playing Alabama. And this, you know, with Florida's loss, this game has become even more important. Stetson Bennett was really impressive. And I, I, I guess I don't know what I was expecting, Urban. I'm like you. 
But the way he got out, or he rolled out so quickly and got to his spot quickly and threw the ball accurately and seemed to have a pocket awareness that I just didn't expect that to happen. And this does change things because Georgia's defense is imposing. Yeah, it's, I think it's the best defense in the country right now that I've seen. And we're seeing a lot of, I don't want to call it bad defense, but defenses give up a lot of yards, a lot of points, uh, including Florida. Florida's been a top 10 defense for several years, and and they've given up, even wins, they've given up a lot of yardage. Alabama's given up a lot of yardage. LSU, you can't even recognize their defense. So Georgia is in a class by himself right now in defense. Urban, you told me a long time ago, we talked about the plan to win. Now, remember you telling me specifically when writing Urban's way, you said you have to emphasize defense, make it a priority. And I said, well, how do you do that? And you said, well, among other things, you pay your defense coaches more. You know, that's one way you do it, which has gotten to be a pretty popular thing these days because the defensive coordinators are making big-time money and the emphasis. But the emphasis on defense, my goodness, someone like General Robert Nealon, one of the founding fathers of SEC and defense, he's got to be rolling over in his grade and think, when did we become the Big 12? Yeah, defense right now, and we're going to actually talk about it, buddy, on the big noon kickoff this weekend, is that one of the issues with defense is the offenses. And we were the original spread offense in the SEC, and the, and the original spread, or we did a little study, it was Northwestern, West Virginia, and Bowling Green. And really, the reason that Northwestern went to it, West Virginia, and Bowling Green went to it, it was an equalizer against more talented teams, more teams with more depth. And so it was kind of a, um, I don't want to call it gimmicky because it's not, but it was a novelty. Not many teams ran it, and it had great success. And sooner than later, everybody else got into it. Now the SEC is completely spread other than the air raid. You know, very few teams are, you know, Alabama and LSU are perfect examples. They were set in stone to run pro-style offense. The problem with pro-style offense, you can have bad plays. Teams can load the box. They have unblocked defenders right there, and – you know, it's just not a great offense. Now you see Alabama and LSU and Florida's and Ohio State's Clemson's all running the spread. The, the offense that was put together for to equalize the field is now being run by the best players in America. And the best players in America start executing that offense, which I like to tell people, if executed properly, it's hard to stop. Now you're seeing a lot of teams not, you know, Alabama, you can't stop them right now. And they can't stop anybody else <laughs> as a result. Yeah, that's that's really interesting in the offense and how the compatibility of the offense and defense and the game plan and whatever. Uh, you came in there with an idea. You're, you're basically a quarterback wide receiver guy, and, and, and that's where your skills are. You came in there and you, you, you preached defense, and there were times – I remember the SEC championship game when you were defensive coordinator. Greg Madison told you against Arkansas, let's punt it and go play some defense. And you did that. Right. And so you're able to adjust. It's those kind of things, I think, the nuances that make a team a team and the marrying of the offense and the defense. Talk a little bit about the design of the, the, of the spread um, and how you and a bunch of your coaches got together. And I believe you went to visit Scott Linehan when you were building this. And you built this offense, and you ran it successfully at Utah. Maybe you started at Bowling Green, I can't remember. And you've lived with it all these years. It's been a weapon for you and for a lot of people now. And it's changed a lot from other offenses, and it's made the game different, as you say. 
Yeah, let's talk briefly about, you know, the plan to win always is about play great defense first. And great defense is not just play great defense. It's a culture in the program. It's how does a running back, I used to quiz them all the time, and you wouldn't play if you fumble the ball. So the running back room has to play great defense. Never put your defense in bad position. On offense, you know, there were times when uh, Tebow or whoever was our quarterback, we would maybe have one or two interceptions for the entire year because you're going to take care of the ball. You know, throw it away and punt and play great defense. And then as a play caller or game manager, you try never to put your defense in bad position. So that's what's that, that's what I think is missing a little bit. When you say play great defense, it's not just the defense. That's rather, that's too obvious. It's the entire when, – when you're on punt team or kickoff team, that's the first play of defense. So how do you play great defense if you're on special teams? You do the very best you can because that's the first snap of defense. So it's not just, yes, play good defense, but don't put your defense in harm's way. And that's a cultural part of a program. Yep. And so years we were great defense, it wasn't just because of great defensive stats. It was because we had excellent punt team, excellent kickoff team, and our offense didn't turn the ball over. Good decision all the way around and, and the team and the scheme of things. Uh, you mentioned uh, the quarterbacks. I, I would like to talk to you about maybe maybe the most difficult job of a coach other than building a program, and that is choosing your quarterback. You know, it's always a difficulty because you got so many people who think they know better than you do the media, the critics, the fans, whatever, and you're picking a certain kind of quarterback. When it gets down to a close situation, it becomes hard. You've had some hard ones. I think back about um, Cam Newton, you know, and, and Tebow and what have you, making tough tough choices, although it turned out to be right choices. Then you get Justin Fields, certainly one of the premier quarterbacks. We're going to see him again next week. Uh, and picking him over Joe Burrow, knowing you were probably going to lose Joe Burrow. It's a tough deal, and what decides it in the end, and what is the process of picking that quarterback? Yeah, well, the actual the battle was between Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, and that was well-documented as well as the uh, Tebow when we had Cam Newton. And it's, real, it's, it's complicated, but it's not. You as a coach, you know, all the things that you mentioned have no bearing at all on a decision like that. The decision is very simply you get paid to win games at schools like Florida and Ohio State, and who gives us the best chance to go win that game at that time? We were the ones, one of the few schools to ever have success playing two quarterbacks, so Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. And people would say, why did you have Chris in there and why did you have Tim in there? And it was Dan Mullen and myself made the decision at that moment we thought Chris Leak would give us the best chance to win the game. When we put in Tim, the same thing. So it, it's, there, there's data that back it up, uh, and there's analytics that back it up, but at the end of the day, you as a coach know them better than anybody because you're with them every day at practice. Who's going to give you the best chance to win the game? Now, that also includes who's the best leader, who's the toughest guy. It's not the best thrower. It's the best guy to give you the chance to win the game. Well, you always talk about that quarterback being also the extra man and causing the defense the problem. And you like, you're big on plus numbers, getting numbers that you need them. And of course, as I understand the game, which is not great, is that safety being in there makes a big difference and it dictates how you do it. Your offense, though, for as much as it's talked about, spread them out and get the ball to them, and that is it. So geared toward offense. And people don't realize you virtually ran a single wing at Florida when Tebow was there. He was a classic tailback, and he was a strong runner, great runner. Um, and that's a great thing to have when you have a weapon like that, a guy who can, can run it and throw it. 
Yeah, he was actually, if you look back, he was a great runner, but he's also finished number two in the history of college football in passing efficiency. Mm. So he was excellent uh, for what we needed him to do for throwing the ball. The one thing that a dual-threat quarterback gives you is you see a lot of times very vanilla defenses, very clean defenses, because if you make a mistake versus the spread on defense, it's usually a touchdown. So you have to, especially when you have Percy Harvins and Lewis Murphys and Coopers that are so talented on the outside, uh, if you make a mistake, it's over. So, yeah, he was an excellent runner. Uh, Single Wayne was part of it. Single Wayne is where it's a direct snap to him and he just plays tailback. But he was he was a quarterback. You know, he managed the game. He would throw the ball however many times we needed him to throw the ball, and he was highly efficient doing it. When did you know that about Tebow, that he was the guy? I uh, In his junior year, just finished his junior year of, of football, and I started really getting to know him and his family. I went to watch him play baseball. He was playing right field, and I stood right there for two and a half, three hours. And everybody was trying to bother me, and I kind of just asked someone to help me because I just wanted to stare at this kid that everybody was talking about. A polarizing person, a leader, a competitive maniac. And I, after about three innings, I said, that's the most competitive. You know, we're talking about baseball. And I knew right then that, uh, you know, we, we could handle the development as far as throwing. and Because, uh, you know, everybody, even in high school, said, well, you know, maybe he's not a quarterback. Some people didn't recruit him. And then uh, we made the decision to recruit him, not just because we thought he'd be a great quarterback, but he was a program maker. Just one time, I know it's hard to compare players, but Justin Field is a heck of a player and a, and a really good person. Apparently, I don't know him. You do. Talk about the difference. The, the, where are Tebow and Field, where are they similar and where are they different? I think uh, Justin Fields, I don't know him as well because I, I was there just at the end when we started recruiting him and he transferred from Georgia. But obviously my son-in-law coaches him and Ryan Day, who I'm very talked to all the time, um, he has the same qualities. He's an even better person than he is a player, and he's exceptional. The thing he's got is he's got legitimate sub-4-3 speed. He's big, strong, thick player, and he can now throw the ball, they're telling me, like Dwayne Haskins. So you're talking about this could be a generational quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, but on top of that, he comes from an incredible family. I understand his father's a retired police officer. Uh, just all about the right stuff. Makes it uh, – that's a part of the job you like when you're a coach. All right, let's talk just for a second about Florida LSU. No game this week, obviously, because of COVID being postponed. Uh, it was a terrific rivalry for you. We talked about this several times on the podcast. Florida LSU has become, maybe behind Georgia, the biggest rivalry in terms of what the game means and the players and the level they play at. Uh, and I remember you had a couple of beauties out there. The 07 game that you lost, I still say, one of the greatest football games I ever saw. The 09 game, of course, we know what happened there. Talk about LSU as a competitor, a team, a program, and what it was like when you went up against them. Oh, I hated when I saw that game come up on the schedule because, yeah, it's not considered a rivalry, but it is. You know, you have Tennessee back when they were Tennessee, and by the way, they are getting better. You have obviously Florida State. When we've played Florida State, they were a top-10 program. Uh, and then Georgia. Georgia's always top-10 program, and you're talking about just street fight after street fight, and then all of a sudden, by the way, your one crossover game that you get every year is one of the top five teams as well. So it was a gauntlet, man. When I think about those games we had to play, uh, back to back to back, and then you throw an Auburn and Alabama in there. Uh, 
every few years. It, it was by far the hardest schedules in the country. But LSU, I considered LSU and Georgia. They just looked different when they came out of the tunnel. And, uh, you know, I, I would ask, you know, I, I remember looking at my line coach one time at LSU. It's, you know, the crowd's crazy. The Mike, the Tigers right there. And I saw their players at defensive line come out of the tunnel. And I looked at him. I said, how the hell are we going to block those guys? Hmm. You know, they're just a great looking team. The environment is, you know, one of the hardest that you'll play in. So great rivalry. We were three and three against them. We beat them down there in 09. And, uh, that was one of the first night games they lost in several years. Uh, but we had just uh, street fights with them every year. Yeah, classic and still is. Uh, by the way, uh, just quickly to Georgia uh, and Alabama, and then we'll get to the Ask Urban section. We have some questions for you today. Uh, and Georgia, Alabama, uh, Saban never has gotten beat by an assistant coach. That's amazing. I don't know what your record is, but you've got quite a few coaches out there too. Uh, I think Mullen beat you one year, as I recall. But anyway, bottom line is is that if he gets beat, if Alabama loses that game, Saban really wasn't there. So should that count against him? Oh, I didn't ever thought about that. Yeah, about of that, course yeah. it should. It's their team. So, yeah, I, I think the head coach on game day makes a difference. But I think culture and leadership overtake that. So I think, uh, I think Alabama should be fine. So – Okay. Uh, all right. Couple questions uh, uh, from Ask Urban. Uh, you know, I, I hate to deal with rumors and things, but you know how these things go. We've been hearing about you. Been hearing about your name keeps coming up. We don't normally address these kinds of things, and I'll leave it up to you whether you want to or not. But a lot of conversation about you coaching again at various places. First, it was Southern Cal. Now, now Texas and so on and so forth. Do you, what is your position, just official position, on if you ever will coach again or if you want to make that statement? Yeah, I'm trying to stay away from everything because regardless what you say, uh, you know, in my mind, I don't believe I'm going to coach again. But can that change? It certainly can change. That's a family decision. That's a decision that I got to make as far as, you know, the the cyst issue, the health issue that I had at Ohio State. So we got to figure that out. And uh, right now I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, and I bring it up because I know you were very happy at ESPN when Ohio State came calling and you weren't anticipating. We'll talk about that next week. Okay, you ready now for some Ask Urban? Sure. Uh, Here's the first one. This comes from somebody in South Bend. Early thoughts on the 3-0 Irish coach. Any chance they upset Clemson in November? I do. I just question if they have the breakaway speed at the skill positions. You know, I, I think they're, I like their quarterback, Ian Book. I think, uh, I think they're playing very good defense. Uh, they have not been challenged one bit. So we're going to find out. I, I do believe they have a shot against, I, I think they're not quite the talent level of Clemson, but I think Brian Kelly's a heck of a coach, and I do believe they have a shot to be Clemson. Carl, excuse me, Kerry from Atlanta says, after watching the Miami game last Saturday, it feels like Clemson is on a different level and is clearly the best team in 2020. Do you agree? And if not, who's on that level with Clemson? I believe it's three teams right now. It's Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. Ohio State hasn't shown anything because they haven't played. But what I, what I hear and what I know, I know they're there. And the one team is Georgia. Georgia – I don't want to say surprising because I knew they had a, a great team coming back. Offensively, uh, they have surprised me, especially with a guy that, once again, was fourth string 
in the summer. Stetson Bennett is quite the story. And finally, Doug from Toledo. At the team, the team up north is the new starting quarterback, junior Joe Milton, the key for the Big Blue to maybe having a chance against Ohio State? I think the quarterback's always a key in, in, in football, not pro, not college, not high school, all football. And, you know, you look back, I saw him perform or I saw him warming up when I actually was on the sideline. I remember going, my gosh, look at the size of this guy. Um, you know, he looks like a good athlete and the whole deal, but you go back and check his high school stats and they weren't great. So I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, but to answer your question, how the quarterback plays, how the team plays. And that'll be a big part of this. And, and, and they've had some struggles in the past, uh, you know, past decade. All right. Big new show. My favorite college football show. Any surprises there we should look for? I love the chain they put on you, but I noticed you got rid of that in a hurry. So anything coming up this week to talk about besides what we mentioned earlier on the big noon show? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a chain guy, obviously. So we're not going to do that again. I'm just kidding, but uh, <laughs> we are going to do, uh, we're going to have a good conversation about the two point conversion and why teams select to go for two or two or not. Mm. And there's been some well-documented uh, examples throughout the, uh, my career and other people's career that when you go for two, you know, there's three reasons why you come off the chart. Number one is injuries. Number two is, um, home or away. And then number three, um, if you're less talented than that team and you said, try to end the game. And so we're going to have a good conversation about that. And then also we're going to talk about the spread offense and show Ole Miss, uh, how they move the ball so frequently and with ease against Alabama. Looking forward to that on the big noon show with Irvin Meyer and the guys, coach Meyer, Nice job on the our weekly show uh, called the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer. Thank you very much, and talk to you next week. See you soon, buddy. Thanks. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Well, he's a little bit on the IR right now, but he's uh, he's going to play. And Terry Bradshaw uh, back for another edition of the Terry Bradshaw Show here on the Best Fries in Football. And I saw a picture of you. Oh, what, oh, what? oh, buddy, what? buddy! I got my own. I got I got my own show now. This is great. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know I, that. I, well, I got a, my own show. Yeah. I always wanted to have my own podcast. Yeah, I know, show. and you got it. This is great, it's buddy and Terry, just like yeah, just like I, the old I, I'm sorry. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but now I got a whole I'm pretty jacked up. Now. Yeah, how many times? Can, like, how many years have you been doing this? Probably eighteen. I don't know, something like that. At least it's not the first right. time you've interrupted me. I'm used to that, and it's okay. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt you, but you are my dear friend, yeah. and I can interrupt yeah, you, you because I forget we're yeah, doing I radio. Know. You forget we're live, and we'll like But hey, listen, uh, thanks for yeah. doing this. Uh, and I want to get right to a couple of specific things before we get on our little meandering tour 
which is the most fun thing that we right. do. But you had an interview last week, very powerful, that people are talking about with Ben Roethlisberger. And I'd like you to explain why it was so emotional. I think people made a little more out of it, at least in my mind, than it was. But it looked like you almost had a tear in your eye. And, and your broadcast partner was asking no. about Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. You have a quote-unquote your office. Talk about why that was such a special interview. Well, I didn't have a tear in my eye. Um, but for 17 years, he and I have had uh, contemptuous. Is that a word? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, good for Cut. me. Yeah, got, got one, one right. right. Yeah. 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 Sounds good, too. Makes me sound smart. I like Very that erudite. And by the very way, I don't erudite. I don't... Erudite. You're very erudite. Okay. Yeah. Erudite. Yeah. Wow. There's another no, good yeah. word. Put that out on the boys on Sunday. Wow. Um, erudite. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't even know what that means. You don't means. have to. Just use it. What? No, no, I'm not. it might have a sexual connotation. No, it doesn't it. have any. It means smart, bright, really? really intelligent. That's you. Well, I kind of felt like that was it, but I, you know, I don't want to go in there and go, you know, hey, fellas, I'm feeling kind of erudite today. And they okay. go, <clears throat> TV. Especially when you have a spoon in your hand. You can't say I'm feeling <laughs> for folks that don't know about right. that. Well, well it's, a, it's a good thing I didn't say I'm on a spoon. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Let me get back to Roethlisberger anyway, we'll get to before that. we get we'll to get, the spoon. We'll get back Roethlisberger. To that it was a – it um, the interview, which I was looking forward to. I've only interviewed him. That was my third time to interview him. The first time, he was a rookie. The second time was before they lost to Green Bay, and they wouldn't have lost if they hadn't have had to fumble uh, going in to score. Um, and in the second interview, uh, I had been critical of him because of off-field off activity, um, which let everybody go look it up. I, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to read that. But, uh, and so I had questioned his, you know, his off-field activity rather strongly because, uh, I have girls and, uh, so that was something that I had a strong opinion about. And if I have a strong opinion in television, I say it. And I, pre I prefer to be funny and enlightening and to some extent uh, uh, um, intellectual about football, but, you know, in a very kindergarten kind of way because it can get very it, – it can get complicated when, in fact – if you study football like I have for years, you understand it. Once you get the basis of football, you understand it. And, it's, and anyway, so I, I went into the second interview and, and the whole thing was set up by Fox and, and uh, I did all the talking. He did nothing. He said nothing. And, um, I felt kind of stupid after that interview because it was yes, sir. I mean, it was just, and then I'd met him before the Monday night game. Uh, no, a Sunday, see a Sunday game at Fox. He was warming up in the hallway, and I went over and he said, "Hi, Mr. Bradshaw." And once again, I thought, mm, "Mr. Bradshaw, how about you know?" Okay, I, so I once again it was very chilly, and so this interview has been five, six years later, 
and uh, I was ready for whatever he, whatever his attitude was, was going to be fine with me. I knew where I wanted to go in the interview and do it and move on. And he was, it blew me, oh, it just won me over, and he, he just blew me, knocked me down with, he was um, friendly as I'll get out, laughing, cutting up, and it's like, you know, what's happened has happened, let's, you know, and uh, we're friends, and I thought, oh, man, this is, and that was the most wonderful it, um, that was the most wonderful feeling at, that I could have had with anybody was there's mutual respect, but I'm not looking for respect, but I respect them as players, but it was just like, we're buddies. Like, let's be friends. Let's learn to be friends, whatever you want to call it. And from that standpoint, it was, it was, uh, the beginning, I think of a relationship unless, unless it's, you know, uh, put on, it's not real. And, but I came away from the interview with, wow, this is good for me. It's good for Ben. Um, and it's good. It's good for the sealers in the city of Pittsburgh to see that they're two quarterbacks, the best ones in the history of the franchise, both Super Bowl champions are having peace. We're smoking a peace pipe and starting this, you know, starting a relationship where we're both comfortable in each other's presence. And that's what was so hard. That's what was so heartening. That's what felt good about it. And well, it's very healing, um, Terry, for people, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, you just take over and you say you use one word and I'm, I'm hee-hawing around the whole time, <laughs> but healing was good. That's he and I need to get along. It's yeah. important because I've always supported. I've always believed in him as a quarterback. He's always played well. I've always said wonderful things about him, and rightfully so. I've been heavy critical of the off-field activities, as I should have been. And that was the thing that was, you know, a, a fellow quarterback, a Steeler, criticizing me. And here's a guy. He could have very easily come after me. You know, I've been divorced and so on and so forth. But I've never I've never been accused of the things, and I've never been suspended by the league, by the way. Yeah. So, therein, therein, I think the growth was on his part. A fabulous growth. Married with children now. Very much at peace with who he is and his career. And the injury he had to his elbow and come to it just seemed like he was in a good place, yeah. you know, just really happy guy. Yeah, Steeler Nation is very happy. Big game this weekend, by the way, with if it comes off uh, yeah. about those Browns. Cleveland, Cleveland. By the way, I want to talk yeah. about the Browns a little bit too. Browns. Yeah. Uh, I know Browns our executive producer bad. is a Browns fan. He's jumping up and down. So he cannot possibly be a Browns. He's a, he's fan. a group. Browns have no fans. <laughs> no fans at all. His name is Andy, and he sure is a Browns fan. Yeah. Uh, but he no, asked me Andy, to ask you Andy, about it. Then Andy. Andy's not a fan. <laughs> It's impossible to be a fan of Cleveland. Talk about that. Brown. Yeah, talk about what that. is exciting about Brown? Brown the color? Brown this? Mm -hmm. Brown that? No. Browns are terrible. They can't beat Pittsburgh. Not going to happen. For I sure? That's so Andy and you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait, let, wait. Me now, my, you and, let me get my spoon you out. Get your spoon out. Stir it up. We'll get on that. Oh, so yeah. Andy, you hear yeah. him. He says it's not going to happen. I guess you guys will have to have a friendly wager. Uh, maybe uh, you'll uh, bet a little 
about a bottle of pop or something or whatever it might be. So, so yes, yeah, so the Browns, you had people don't realize though that franchise wasn't all always terrible, Terry. And the history with Otto Graham, you point this out a lot of times. People talk about the great quarterbacks. Otto Graham never gets mentioned. He won like what six NFL titles when there was no Super Bowl. More than uh, I think it, I think he won like nine. Amazing. So they were a once great nine. franchise, and uh, they've been struggling right. for a long time. And maybe they're back. Uh, well, we'll see. And uh, they got a pretty good quarterback. No, then. No, he's he's average. <laughs> he's average at best. There's nothing about them that's not. I mean. Even the stadium's ugly. Everything about that city mm, is just ugly. Okay. Ugly. This week, this week everything's bad. Okay. okay? That's good. Then next yeah. week I'll go back. I'll go back to Lebanon, but not okay. this week. Well, that's why would I do well, that? We're heard in Cleveland, which is great. We're heard in Cleveland. The brown jer- so yeah. you're talking trash. Yeah. Go we ahead. Saw their brown uniform. Buddy, stop interrupting me. I'm trying to talk. That's to right. You. It's your show. I forgot. They're brown. Exactly. That's what I was telling. They had brown uniforms last year. They got a quarterback that. That uh, God, he'll make more mistakes than anybody. Uh, kind of a kind of a kind of guy. I'm not real fond of. I don't think I like him. Um, seems to me like he's one of those guys that's going to have to grow on me. You know, I liked him when he first came out, but he seems to be a little full of himself. So, you know. But he's a Cleveland Brown. I mean, how could you feel full of yourself if you live in Cleveland and you're a Brown fan? <laughs> Baker Mayfield, baby. Baker Mayfield. He's a hot ticket right now. So uh, we'll see. Can't you give him a little bit of glory, Terry? Can't you just let him have a moment? Just nope. a little. No. I mean, after all, Andy suffered through all this time, and now he's got a chance. He's got a quarterback. Well, you know what, Andy? Get used to it. Your rest of your life, you're probably going to suffer. It's Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland, Andy. Come on. All right. Yeah, no love from TB. Talk about Cut him no slack, buddy. I'm not playing. I can talk to you. Yes, that's right. And you do. I'm a, yeah. You talk about that. Right. I talked smack last week talking about my Gators. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching that game, and I'm calling Jimmy. I'm going, you believe this? Uh, well, what did you see? I saw I saw us get beat, and I the thing that they're saying is it was Jimbo Fisher's greatest victory as an Aggie, and it was against the Gators. And I'm like, man, really? And I think it's just because they, you know, the Gators were were, were ranked so high, and uh, that had a lot to do. Can't with beat it, the top was, five team until now. Good. Finally, beat the top five. I team. know. I was, in, yeah. It's just so hard, man, with what's going on and and with the COVID nineteen and uh what's what what a can you what a tough year to have to travel, get on a plane, stay in a hotel that you know, and play these games and uh, under the conditions these players have to travel in, no fans in the stands and young people feed off of the energy of the fans with you know, there's no doubt about that. I thought I thought we looked good at times, and then that uh, you know that other quarterback can't think of his name, but he had a he had a good game. Uh, our defense just was our defense. Listen, man, like I well, you're a Gator, you're a Gator. You gotta. It's okay to say that. Our defense, we couldn't. You know, we just couldn't stop them, uh, which was very disappointing. 
But I don't know enough about our team. Are we missing a lot of defensive starters? No, a couple. And this week, it's uh, unfortunately yeah. you don't know this, LSU. is that we're just finding out there may be up to 19 players out against LSU, and the game could be canceled because this just broke last Golly. night. So we don't know. As you say, Tobin is – 19, 19, oh, that's, oh 19 games? Yeah, that's what we're – well, we don't know yet, oh. but we'll find out today when they go to practice. Uh, but that's they, – they they went on pause yesterday, Terry. That's that new, uh, yeah, that new thing. That. And when yeah. it pauses, that means when you pause on Tuesday, you, your chances of playing on Saturday are not very good. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We don't know about this stuff, Terry. Well, I mean, this is all brand new. So, you know, how do we deal with this? Well, if you pause on Tuesday, normally Wednesday, Thursday's offense, defense, travel on Friday. So they're home. I know we're, mm-hmm. they're home, and LSU is not LSU of mm-hmm. last year, I can assure you of that. They are one of the worst defenses, um, <laughs> the worst defense I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life for defending national champions. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know they got a new defense coordinator, a new offensive coordinator. Offense is, you know, they're still. Still putting it up, but defense. Oh my gosh, you're telling well, me they're I mean, that bad. I saw I saw touchdowns against them last week with touchdown passes, and I'm serious, buddy. I didn't see a defensive anywhere. back in there yeah, on the screen. It was right like, on the screen. Anywhere I know exactly. Yeah. So well, Florida had know, his issues. Kellen, Kellen Mond's a good quarterback, but and he had his best game. He needed to have a big game. But uh, we talked about this earlier in the week about it being a tennis match. About you know you got to hold serve every time down, score every time, and then you you still could lose the game. And Florida couldn't hold serve and lost that fumble. And of course Jimbo Fisher just he's good at killing the clock and went in and kicked the field goal and won the game. Tough way to lose it, but Kellen Mond finally had a decent game. We'll see if he's going to build on this or not. Well, that you, you're the, I mean the key for a m or any football team is when you have what you consider to be a signature win. Yes, it's not to have a signature letdown. You know, you've got to you've got to carry the momentum and and, uh, and keep it going. That's a great so, point. That's a great point. We'll so it's going to the emotion of these teams. I don't know how the NFL is doing it. They're they've seemed like they've done pretty well so far with their their COVID related stuff, but you don't know what's coming, and we don't know how to report this story. So let's just push all that aside for a minute, Terry. And we do have football okay. at the moment. Thank goodness. We're so glad to have that. You get to go and talk about it every week. Uh, you and the show. Talk about the spoon. I love the fun you had with it. <clears throat> Jimmy Johnson's got a fork and you got a spoon. <laughs> Didn't I tell you I was going to use the spoon? You did. Yeah, I gave you a forewarning. I said, hey, I'm going to use the spoon. Oh, I just, I, good luck. We're in the entertainment business. Um, what separates uh, the Fox NFL show is that we have fun with what we're doing. And while the spoon is silly and ridiculous, um, it's funny. And it may, and I made my point using the spoon, stir it up, mix it up. And then I mixed it up or stirred it up in New York and Detroit, uh, get rid of both those coaches. Listen, I, I said earlier on the show, there's nothing I hate more than having to criticize anybody. I take no pleasure in that. But I think the viewer or the listener knows that if I give an opinion, 
it's obviously, it's, first of all, it's very much my opinion, not influenced by anybody. Um, they know that I'm speaking the truth and how I feel. And in a lot of cases, they're sitting out there going, won't somebody say these guys can't coach? So I said it. You know, if you hire a new coach, college, at any level, actually, um, then you should have, you should see some type of result the first year. If no more than an effort by your players. If you see, if there is no major changes, you got the wrong guy. Now he can sit there and talk about, we got to get a quarterback. We got to get wide receivers. We got to get linebackers, et cetera. But you, if you are a, if you are a good coach and a coach that uh, has the ability to communicate and motivate, and you know, and listen, I've said this before, today's coaches, I said this Sunday on the Fox show, today's coaches really in this era of football, you've got to be a, you know, you've got to be a player's coach. These guys are too wealthy. They don't have to listen to you. They have too much power. A lot of them. Uh, you've got to be a player's coach, but at the same time, they've got to like you. Look, I love, I, I, I love playing for a player's coach. I want a guy that I really like and enjoy because that I'm going to play hard for him. Okay. I am going to play hard and I like him and I don't want to disappoint him. Like he's like my dad. And when he does criticize you, he won't do it out in public. He'll bring in the office and everybody knows you did something wrong. You got to get a fine. And he may say, look, it's a $5,000 fine. Okay. Look, just give me, give me $50. All right. Me and you, I'm going to tell everybody, you know, you paid the fine and you're going like, God, what a guy, you know? So, so that, that to me is wow. Is you mean you had discounts the, on fines? I didn't know that. That's pretty good stuff, right there. Hey, he's the head coach. <laughs> if it's a team rule, yeah. and it's not luck, it's not you know shooting yeah. somebody. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> See, I didn't know that though. But, I, but there has to be there has to be a change. Yeah. You know, there has to be some type of positive change, yes. and a lot of these cases you just don't see it. You just don't see it. They fired the coach Detroit that was nine and seven. Yeah. This guy now they won, wish they hadn't fired Caldwell. They, in three yeah, years. They'd like to have Caldwell back yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, Jim Caldwell. So you know, that's why I said Sonny, you know, you go 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 uh go build a rocket. You know, he's a smart sucker. Go build a rocket and go do whatever you do. And the guy Adam Gase, you know, he just like if they would fire him today, he would probably go into the owner and go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> he knows. I mean, Hey, Terry, let's talk about these quarterbacks having senior moments. I couldn't believe last week that Tom Brady <laughs> lost it down, although I'll be honest with you, so did I. I was thinking it was third down also. Uh, and you know, it, well, look at the placard. That's all you got to do yes, is look at the sideline. Look, Tom had a you know, the worst thing for Tom was for that to happen because now people are going to say, Well, he is 43, he's been hit. Here goes the senior moment, which is bull. All you got to do is look at the sideline. The coach is in your ear, they want to, and he's telling you, Okay, you know, now maybe the coach said it's third down, 
Maybe he didn't say anything. Um, who knows? But as the quarterback, it's my job to make sure of the play I called fits the situation we're in, second down, third, first, whatever. I never started a play call without looking to the really? sideline. Did, you, did you ever lose a down? you tell which we'll tell next time about the collaboration with your teammates how they had input what they oh, told yeah, you both. that was a it's like a yeah. corporate huddle almost you know which is great oh exactly exactly that was the what was so much fun when i exactly knew what i wanted to do i'd step in complete uh, authority get on the always got on a knee looked up at them because when you're in a when you're down on a knee looking up you're giving authority you're giving power to everybody that's up ahead of you when you're down as a leader, you're now you're now being submissive to them, the people of strength and power, and execute. 
a, a great CEO can have all the great ideas, but if people can't stand him and don't like him, chances are he's not, well, he won't be a great CEO anyway. He, he'll get fired. But that'll lead to his fault. People have got to respond to you. And I always thought as a leader that I don't have all the answers. I know I know what I'm doing, but I don't have all the answers because I've tried a lot of different things today. None of them are working. And then you go, hey, fellas, how y'all doing? <laughs> you got any ideas? <laughs> You got a plate for me. Give, give sure me some. Some help. <laughs> yeah, give me a little something. And then, then you just go through them. As, you, know, you go through them, and Franco, he's stuttered. And, uh, and you just go around having fun with it. You know, it's a great, it's a great comment. Exactly, it's a great comment, Terry, because yeah. because the culture of the huddle is a whole other subject, to me at least. Yeah. That's why I do not like to know huddle. Because there's kind of a thing in the huddle, like you yeah. said. You're down on a knee, you're looking up, you're giving them authority, giving them power, right. making them think they get a chance to be equal to you or above you, whatever. I think that body language says a lot, and I wonder sometimes if that's gotten to a point where it's hurting things with a no huddle. Yeah, I. the huddles today are kind of sloppy, too. If you look at Kansas City's huddle, they just kind of, and you look at the Rams huddle. We took pride in our huddle. Our huddle was really, um, you know, everybody was in position. Everybody, because the lineman turned inside and went to the guard and center. Center turned however he wanted to turn. The guards turned inside. Tackles turned outside. I mean, it was pretty cool. When you break a huddle, it's like opening up a book and thumbing the page. It just kind of, you know. Uh, now it's the plays must be easy to call because the guys are just sticking their head in there and maybe they're, you know, the way they go. It's, it's, it's a, such a different game. It's such a fast paced game. It's wide open, chunk it every, oh, so much fun to watch today. You know, so much fun back in the seventies, it was still grind amount football, boring football, um, you know, I remember watching Fran Tarkenden play in Minnesota and being jealous because he is rolling right and throwing those West Coast offensive patterns and watching, you know, guys throw the football. It was just Kenny Anderson in Cincinnati and just so much fun to watch him play like that. Now we get to see it every week, you know, so it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. But back then, back then, you I don't know how many of us, I think myself and maybe um, uh, Kenny Anderson, I think Kenny and I may have been the only two. Chuck, for some reason, I'll, you know, I call plays in college, and so calling plays in college and getting into pro football, I don't know where that came from. Probably Bob Greasy called his own plays because he was under Shula, and and Chuck Noll was under Shula, and I'm I'm pretty sure – you know, he brought that in. We ran their offense, and so I'm pretty sure we ran their the way they call plays, too. It's so different. So different. Stallbug you know, didn't get to call today. his. Tom Landry called those plays. I know, and Roger, it's my understanding Roger wanted to call his plays, and then it's my understanding, too, that, you know, that Troy didn't. I mean, there's a good thing about somebody else calling the plays, especially if it's a bad game plan. <laughs> And things didn't go well. You go in 
at the end of the game, the press comes up to you. Well, what was the reason behind it? Well, I don't know. Go talk to the offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, what is that? Well, go talk to the offensive coordinator. I'm just, I'm just a pawn out here, though. That's funny. I'd love to hear you and Jimmy talk about that on the show about the huddle the coach called the plays yeah. and and what you can see yeah. when you let well you know when you let your quarterback call the plays and what you uh, and how much more what's the position the quarterback he's in a lot stronger leadership position when they know their fate is in his hands that'd be a good discussion on the show. Speaking of which, is the spoon going to come out this Sunday? Well, I depends on the show. I don't know the format yet. Um, nor did I know last week. I just knew that I took the spoon and I took my bobblehead. And the bobblehead I put up there in case they ignore me and make fun of me. I'll just talk to the bobblehead. Mini me. And, I, and I'll use the third, <laughs> Yeah, I'll just talk to the third person. Uh, hit the head. Terry, Terry doesn't appreciate y'all talking to him like that. So, <laughs> third person. <laughs> the bobblehead. I know they think I'm, you know, they all think I'm. Little Terry, anyway. little Terry. You stole think, that little bobblehead, yeah. didn't you, off, your, off one of your boss's desk? I did. How'd you know that? I did. I got my sources. <laughs> I got my sources, TV. I always check it on you. Yeah. Uh, I love the bobblehead. Bobble I love the bobblehead. The mini me, I hope you get a chance to get him on on Sunday on the show. No, I'll get him on, and I'll stir. If I, if I need to, I'll stir it up. All right. You, know? you do. I mean the pro- the problem is you, you don't <clears throat> you don't want to wear out you don't want to wear out the uh, the spoon it's got to have a sure. real solid sure. impact you know so last week I knew exactly what I wanted to do with the spoon um, you hit it well you hit it down week, below <laughs> I had it in the trash can. <laughs> Look at TV's trash can. You never know what I, might be in there. I know. I'm digging in that trash can. And Kurt was looking like, what are you doing? I'm looking for my spoon. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, buddy. I know. They think I've lost hey, well, yeah. They think I've lost it. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah. And that, you know what? Good good on me. I'm glad they think I lost it. I think you're better than ever. By the way, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's just a little note on football. Uh, that Miles Garrett yeah. is returning for the Browns this week. So the first time in a while he's played. Okay. Uh, that's a big game. And yeah. so, um, and uh, I will count. Oh, it's a big, the storyline that the people out there that are watching this, and they don't understand probably what you're talking about, but Miles Garrett was suspended for the rest of the season after the Cleveland Browns uh, hosted the Steelers in Cleveland and Miles took the helmet off the quarterback. Uh, what was his name? Rudolph, Randolph, whatever. Not very good. What was his name? Uh, Rudolph. I liked him in college. Mason he went to, he went to Oklahoma yeah. State. Mason Rudolph. And uh, I took his helmet off and hit him with the helmet and got suspended. But this is the first time that uh, – um, Garrett has played against since he returned. Now, they did go on to Pittsburgh and play the Browns, played the Steelers, but it was out without Miles Garrett. Is it Miles Garrett? Yeah. yeah, Miles Garrett, yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be it, it won't be a story at all this year. Yeah. Not a story. Well, he'll come back. And by the way, it'll be more COVID. We know that. And let's hope that everybody's going to be safe. And, oh, buddy. Uh, I know. Buddy, I know. I know. I, yeah, it's I know. tough to handle that stuff. I said last night, I don't know how to report this story. I mean, I don't know how to report it, how to write about it, how to talk about it, because it's just such a big unknown 
I guess we got to start with gratitude where we just say we're grateful to have football. And how many ever games we get this week, we'll take them and we'll go to the next one. Buddy, right. It's the unfortunate thing about our country right now is uh, some, some to the right, some to the left don't believe in the mask. Then this bunch believes in the mask. They believe in the science. These don't. They think it's a joke. And therein lies our problem. Yeah, I even got a brother who thinks the the, um, the uh, COVID nineteen things the whole is a joke. And I went, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm just like, is that what this country yeah, is now? I have a relative. I, I mean, have a relative who so, does the same so, thing. Uh, it's, oh it's man, disconcerting, upsetting, so whatever. So I know, just really upset. It just, we just, we just got to be smart. You know, we're look. I don't know that we're any better right now. Now we know more. We have more, but people have to believe in what the science is putting out. I mean, golly, who? I'm I'm just blown away by I'm just blown away by you know I kind of like want to be an ostrich or to put my head yeah. in the sand. This whole thing is just blowing yeah, me. You're away. wearing a mask, Terry. I, I knock my yeah. My mother, like my mother said, I'm 91 years old. I can't believe it. One of the last years of my life. I'm I'm quarantined. It can't do anything. Uh, and I said, I know, Mom, it's sad. Very sad. Very sad for the month of our anyway. novice, our best in novice. And by the way, your girl Joni has a big birthday this week. So she sent you her love. Happy 60th birthday, dear Joni. Good Joanie. job. Good job. Well, she's not going to tell you that. Joni's got to be. She's not going to tell you. And don't even guess it because she'll hate you if you say it. So all just right. say 60 and uh, let it go uh, at that. Uh, all right. Oh, and by, by the way, I. Um, Put on some forty uh, blue jeans yesterday. Uh, I can wear them. Well, what's your arms? Not. <laughs> I, I got. Hey, hey, smart Alex. I I got them up, and I'm about an inch from just yeah, snapping the button. Yeah. An inch, buddy. I, I'm telling you. Um, I weighed today was weighing. What Tammy called it weighing Wednesday. Yes. And today, today, this morning, I weighed I weighed two fifty seven. So well, uh, um, as Bill Clinton would say, I'm down <laughs> nine pounds. Hey, listen, <laughs> hold on to those uh, those uh, double X's that you got sent to you by the Gators, and maybe you'll be able to wear them, right? I um, I know I kept these blue jeans because I said when I can just snap the buttons. I'm good to go, but I'm two fifty seven, right. and my and I'm on my way to. I got. I want to get in the thirties. I think I'll be skinny at two thirty because I lift weights. I'm not sure. I haven't lifted now in two weeks. Good for you, Terry, for doing that. And um, uh, I applaud you. And I'm I gotta, behind I, you. I, I'm only fifteen. It's now, hard. So. Oh, buddy, buddy. I'm just like. Well, if you start back when I, you know, I'm, but. Realistically, I'm exactly a little over seven pounds, not eight pounds, like seven, four, seven pounds. So I was okay. In two more weeks, two more weeks, hopefully I'll lose seven more pounds. So that's 14 pounds. That puts me in the two, four. Uh, no, I won't be too Terry, you know the problem, don't you? Tequila no, and I ice don't. cream. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
That's an inside hey, joke. Tomorrow night, but don't forget. Yeah. I want everybody out there to be sure. And well, they won't see it tomorrow night because this show's on Friday. But they'll see it and go back on and get it that rerun channel and, oh, and go to oh, the E channel and I'm get. Sorry, buddy. I keep forgetting. That's yeah. all. This is Terry. It's, it's a good show, oh, Terry. It's a good show. Yeah. I know it was painful for you to do sometimes, but oh. your daughters are beautiful. Your show. It's your show. Your show or the Bradshaw Your Bunch? show. The Bradshaw Bunch is a good show. My show. Good show. My show. We filmed it. It's over well, with. This is your show yeah, here, too, no by the way. This is the Terry Bradshaw show oh. on, on the best Fridays oh, in football. But, TB, as always, oh. I appreciate it, and I love you. Take care of that uh, little dinger, dingy you got. I'm not going to say anything about it. People will have to see it for themselves on Sunday on Fox. Well, it'll have a, I'll have on um, flesh tone Band-Aids. Yeah. And uh, cover it up. I get the stitches. Tammy, Tammy will actually take the stitches out. Probably. We're going to be in LA for that's a mean looking scar, man. I'm telling you, it looks like a oh, Mercedes buddy. coming at you. <laughs> I look like Frankenstein. I'm not kidding you. This thing is like, oh my god, I've seen it. I couldn't believe I it. Wanted when to you do, it to I me. asked the doctor, I asked the doctor how many stitches. He said 30. So Oof. you know me, I got a oh boy. I got a little. I I just got to enhance that. That's just you no know way. what you do. Yeah, you 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 know what you do. You'll rock it on the show. You'll get a bunch of sympathy and love, <laughs> and they'll be sending you cards and, oh, and no, you'll no. be eating it up. Oh no, no. <laughs> TB, how you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I know TB. Oh, no. I know TB. You know the TV knows TV. <laughs> Herschel knows Herschel. Herschel knows Herschel. Inside joke. We'll tell you sometime. Uh, I love you, Terry. You uh, take care of yourself. Thank you so love much. Love you, buddy. Take care, brother. Talk to you, talk to you next right, week. All right. Thanks very much. Time now for the segment that we call Andy's Candies. We're not completely sure what it is, except at the end of the week, the executive producer and I, Andy Billen, the inveterate Browns fans sit down to kind of sort of go over what we know and don't know. And, of course, it doesn't take long to say what we know, a long time to say what we don't know. Uh, what we don't know is exactly what's going to happen next, except Andy's Candies. And there you have it, Andy's Candies. Andy reading a little bit today from a hit by Terry Bradshaw, as you heard earlier, not buying into your Cleveland, Cleveland story, whatever you call that thing. And, uh, how you handling that, buddy? He just put you on your ear, didn't he? Well, no, actually, what I called is, you know, this is, you know, here in the here in the house of Believe Land, we're here to heal. And I, I, I hear a little bit of a timid from an old Steeler. It's not his fault. He got drafted by that naughty, nasty bullies over there called the Steelers. They've knocked out a lot of our players over the years, whereas Mom and Massaqua, a couple others too, Colt McCoy. And now the and now what he's worried about is a guy like Miles Garrett. What he's worried about is players like Baker Mayfield oh, who are having a good gosh, year. And then the Browns are back. Listen to this Let's again. rejoice. Look, there's the a moratorium. You get, you get 15 more seconds. I don't want to hear that phrase again today, please. It's been a long week. Just give me your comments and let me move on. The Browns are back, folks. And let me just say this. You come on board this Cleveland bandwagon. The Browns are improving each week. You look at their running game, it's suffocating at the end of the game. Their time management is wonderful. Analytics with Stefanski. It is a rising star. This is this is the modern Who, day when, who's when Nick Stefanski, Trub by the way. 
He is the head coach of this team. Oh, and he that is, guy, that's right. I remember him. Yeah, he did, yeah. Didn't he? This, this is their 32nd coach in about four years. Okay, I get it. But look, <laughs> uh, we will move on now and just say good luck to your Cleveland and Cleveland and Brownies and all that stuff. But your job here is not to get the pom-poms and megaphones out and start cheering for your beloved Browns. Your job is to, A, executive produce this show, along with your director, Brendan Martin, and try to figure out if there's a way to pick some winners during a pandemic. Uh, I mean, really, to be honest with you, there's only one way to judge that. You're a winner if, and I won't make light of this, if you or your family or friends haven't been affected by it. So we wish everybody that. But right, right, right. here's what right. we're talking about here. This is crossing your fingers, and I'm sure that the Browns fans, everybody else, Kevin Warren, uh, with the Big Ten crossing his fingers, yeah. hoping they'll get off to a good start next week and get in the weekend, which it didn't happen for two SEC teams. And as we go to press, as we call it back in the newspaper days, we don't know what's going to bring this weekend. But right now, we're going to try to talk about what games we believe will be played in Andy's Candies. How that fits in, well, you take it from here. Three and seven, but we threw out the candy corn. We got out there toothbrushes. We were two and two last week. And I'm going to start off with the big boy, Georgia and Bama. Um, usually I'm the gold standard better. You take Duke in basketball, you take Bama in football. You just, you know, you, as, as, as our friend like to say, Buddy Martin, you take the chalk. In this case here, I'm actually going with not only the dogs, I'm going with the underdog. You're going to get four points, and I just think Georgia's a better team right now. Doesn't mean it will be at the end of the year, but I just think right now. I was impressed by the Tennessee win, I was really impressed by the Auburn win. I, that Arkansas win looks better and better each week. The way Arkansas is playing, I like Georgia in this game. I just think they're. I, I think it's time for Kirby Smart. I know Saban's on the sideline. That's not really going into this pick as much. I just think Georgia's a better team right now. So take Georgia plus the four. Wait, Let's wait. Go. In golf is something called a hackalooski. That's when a, you play with a guy who's a scratch player and the guy you're playing with is an 82 shooter, <clears throat> and the guy shooting 82 is always telling. The scratch player, what are you doing wrong in this game? <laughs> you right. you went two and two, pal, next week. Why should I That's believe right. you? All right, let's, let's just move on from that. <laughs> Take this, folks, with a grain of sugar, will you? These comments, <laughs> just be careful, but I'm going to let him go because, well, that's what we do. And he's candy. So you like Georgia? Yes. And you're taking four, was six. Yep. I'm yep. taking Alabama, which, by the way, is nothing new. I go the opposite of what Andy goes. Go ahead. <laughs> Here's quickly the other three. Let's stay in the state of Florida for two of them. Uh, this is my Sugar Rush special. Put your feet up. I love Miami at home against Pitt. Um, you're going you're gonna to give away 13 and a half. I think you'll be fine here. I think Miami will safely cover. Take Miami, giving up 13 and a half. The next game is uh, UNC Florida State. I thought the Knolls actually played better than what I expected against the Irish, and they still lost by 16. I love the heels in this game. Again, you're giving 13, but I think they'll easily cover and Doe Campbell. And then finally, my Irish, who I took last week, did not cover. They, they are giving away 16 this week against Louisville. Um, this is a captain bounce back Brian Kelly special. Usually Brian Kelly has a great bounce back game. I thought the Irish would look sluggish in the first half. They had a couple turnovers, drop pass. Just It looked like a team I hadn't played in two weeks. I think they'll be much better against Louisville this week at home. You're giving away 16, which is a lot, but I think they'll cover. I don't love it, but I like it enough to taste. 
So give away 16 and take the Irish. Just remember, poison is not good if you take a taste. Sorry, just so you know that. All right. So you got the winners for us. Once again, give them to us. You're taking Georgia. Who else is that? Georgia, Irish, Heels, and the Canes. And most importantly, the Browns are back. Oh, my gosh. The (laughs) Browns. are back. Come on, everybody. This has been Andy's Candies. Stay tuned. Coming up, Buddy Martin's two-minute warning. Thanks to all these people making the best Fridays in football possible. Gator Bait Lighthouse Builders, Truth, Honor, and Dignity. Dr. Jim Duke, the Orthopedic Institute. Sissy Long, in memory of her beloved Chuck. Lauren Meadows in Ohio rooting for the Gators and for equality. Jeffrey Meldon, Meldon Law, where you matter most, sponsor of Meldon Law Mondays. Matt Steen, former Gator captain, pulling for Coach Mullen, but always keeping the 1969 Gators in his heart. Jeff Ulmer, loyal to the Gators, Hatters, Gator Bait, and the Ocala Quarterback Club. The Ocala Quarterback Club, Sponsors of the Scott Brantley Trophy, Mike McGinnis, Captain. Renstar Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. Now it's time for Buddy's two-minute warning. This wasn't the first cancellation of an LSU Florida game. Back in 1964, long, long ago, so long ago that Steve Spurrier actually played in the game. Florida won a rescheduled game that worked to the Gators' favor. I had actually been in New Orleans in 1964 for that regularly scheduled game on October 3rd when Hurricane Hilda was about to swoop down on us. We chose to leave and drive back to Florida. We white-knuckle the drive through the bio country to Pensacola listening to the radio reports that a bridge behind us in Pascagoula, Mississippi, had just washed out. Once in Pensacola, we found a hotel and crashed in it. Of course, Hilda wreaked havoc, but we dodged the worst of it. It was a Category 4 storm. It went down as one of my dumbest decisions, so I was grateful to be spared by God's traveling grace. When we returned to Baton Rouge that December in the makeup game, it was so cold, the stats couldn't be run off by the mimeograph machine because it was frozen. And the underdressed Florida writers, like Cotton's work coats, had to bundle up in LSU jerseys just to survive the night. The LSU team did not survive the night. Spurrier had an impressive game, and the Gators wound up winning 20-6. to but didn't get invited to the Sugar Bowl. LSU did instead and beat Syracuse. That Gator win over the Tigers was underappreciated, perhaps, and a forerunner of things to come in 1965 and 1966 when Spurrier took them to their first major bowls, the Sugar and the Orange. Prior to that, Florida had never been to a major bowl. Maybe karma owes Florida this season in that makeup game. On behalf of Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw, director Brendan Martin and executive producer Andy Billman, thanks for joining us. Tell your friends about the best Fridays in football podcast. See you next week. We've got a special edition planned on Urban Meyer 
how he got to Ohio State and what he expects in the Buckeyes opener. I'm Buddy Martin and this has been the best Fridays in football. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.